So Ephesians 1, 16 to, I think it's 21, I'm sorry, yeah, 1, 16 to 21. This is God's holy and infallible word. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And then Ephesians three fourteen to 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we're focusing on prayer after our mission of the church series about those three strategic pillars. If you look to your left and right, uh, you see the summary of the pillars on those banners, and you can get a little more detailed summary of prayers for those pillars and what we mean by those pillars uh, in the lobby area at the registration counter and the welcome center. So thinking about our mission and pillars that we want to be building up at Faith Church in particular for the next maybe couple of years, the mission building the church up is only going to happen through prayer, by, in other words, depending completely on the Lord, uh, by asking for his blessing, by acknowledging that if it were just about us and our ideas and our strengths and our abilities, uh, the job of carrying out Christ's mission for his church uh, would never get done. Those awesome numbers we just saw for Mission India, that organization is seeking the mission of God, sharing the gospel in India. Uh, there's so much that is needed, including our finances, but guess what? Without complete dependence on the Lord, without prayer, that's not going to happen, right? Uh, the church needs people who will be mighty and earnest in prayer. Infinitely more than the church needs people who start new programs and infinitely more than the church needs new styles and methods and buildings. And, and so at Faith Church, 
uh, we want to be drawing on God's infinite storehouse of power and strength, not only on our very finite resources. And, and when we pray sincerely and from the heart, uh, we're doing that and we're acknowledging all of that. There's a, a tried and true way to pray uh, that I, I want to look at just briefly as we start, and it's called the Axe Method. And I'm guessing many of you have heard it. Uh, uh, the Axe Method starts with the A, expressions of adoration to God. The C is confession. We confess our sins and our shortcomings to the Lord, as we did in worship today. T is thanksgiving, and that's where we articulate our gratitude for God, for his salvation in Jesus, as well as thanks for all the blessings surrounding our salvation and overflowing to all of life and all the gifts we get from our Father of Lights, uh, we give thanks for all of it. The S refers to supplication, and that's like, that's, that's a harder word to get at, right? Um, it's, it's our requests, our concerns, asking God for things, telling God our desires and needs and wants, right? That S can very easily totally dominate our prayers, right? Because we need a lot and we want a lot. So we ask for this and that. We need this and that in our lives. One of the many things that's helpful about the Acts method of prayer is that it reminds us to get to what we ask for only after the adoration and confession and thanksgiving. It kind of helps us set priorities in our prayer. And, and the idea this morning is um, we're going to mostly, almost exclusively focus on that S of Acts, that we would go deeper in the desires of our heart that we express to God, that we go deeper in our prayer requests and uh, deeper in what we're asking God for when we pray. So to start, let's think about what we uh, typically ask for in prayer. What are our everyday desires and prayer requests? Well, I would guess that they tend to be about our health, the health of people we know, um, about especially about our circumstances. I suspect that they, they're more about physical and material stuff, and like circumstances, than deeper spiritual matters. And, and probably for most of us, our prayers are can tend to be centered a little bit on us, right, and our desires, um, and almost maybe be a little bit self-centered in that sense. Like, like a, a little boy who was naughty once and sent to his room, he came out after a bit and, and said to his mom, I've been thinking about what I did, and I said a prayer. And she said, that's great, that's fine. If you ask God to make you good, He's going to help you. And the boy's like, oh, I didn't ask him to help me be good. I asked him to help you put up with me. Or the seven-year-old girl who once prayed, oh, God, please send a new baby for mommy. That, this new baby that you sent last month just cries way too much. 
When we think about our everyday prayer requests, I also, what comes to mind are all of our be with prayers. I feel like I do that a lot. You know what that is? Be with so-and-so. For me, be with Olivia at college, be with my other daughters at school and in their activities, be with Hannah and Olivia driving around on the roads now. So, but if you think about the, the be with prayers that I, I do a lot of, I'm sure, uh, Jesus has promised to be with us even to the very end of the age, right? If, if, if we belong to Jesus, he is with us always. That's a promise. So it's a done deal. And so if we're praying for God to be with so-and-so, well, are we, aren't we praying for something that they already have if they're a believer? And, and so I wonder if those be with prayers are a bit redundant or maybe even a little bit shallow if we leave them about that. And, and you know, thinking of our, the, the, our, what I think are sort of our typical everyday desires and requests about health and physical and, and material stuff, what, what's really striking is that in Paul's great prayers, uh, the couple, we just read two of them, he doesn't seem to pray much about those things at all. There's nothing in those wonderful prayers about that, that the Ephesians would pray earnestly to God that he'd be freed from prison. He's writing from prison. Um, in terms of his prayer requests, his circumstances just don't come up much. And as for the Ephesian church, um, I'm sure those believers like us had concerns about their finances, about housing, about putting food on the table for their families and, and clothes on their kids, but you don't really see much supplication about those matters in Ephesians or in the letters to the other churches that Paul wrote to. And, and, and so we might wonder, comparing our typical prayers with the prayers we see, if we're really serious about doing our best in prayer, are our usual and typical desires and everyday requests like a little bit defective or wrong? Should we stop praying for God to be with so-and-so and, and not pray so much for people's physical situations and circumstances? Because we don't see that in these two big prayers. But I think the answer is no to this question. I don't think we're wrong to pray about these things. Paul says himself in Philippians 4, 6, we can and we should pray for anything and that God's children can bring all their requests to the Father. Jesus told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, which is certainly about literal bread, food, but by extension, it's also about praying for other physical and material needs that we have as God's people. I want, to read, I want us to see and read together uh, what our catechism says about prayer. There's an introductory Lord's Day that has three questions and answers, and this is the third of those before uh, the catechism looks at what the Lord's Prayer means. So I'll read the question. Could you read the answer? What did God command us to pray for? 
So the writers of the catechism, like everything else in the catechism, seek and are basing their questions and answers on a thorough reading and study of the scriptures. And, and based on, on this, and as well as what we read in the Bible itself, our everyday prayer requests are not necessarily wrong or defective, right? It's not, and if you think about it too, it's not like we never have prayers about the more physical stuff in the Bible. Tonight with Pastor Matthew, I peeked ahead at the verses he's reading, the first four, I think, of Third John. And in verse 2, John prays for the good health of his dear friend Gaius. And, and something else to think about is just because we don't read these types of prayers in the Bible, our typical prayers, a lot, it doesn't mean that, that Paul never prayed those things. Maybe in his alone times, he did pray to God to get freed, or he prayed that, that food would be brought to him, or he prayed for warm clothes in, in the chill of, of jail. And, and To say that because of this greatness and, and grandeur of these two prayers today, that we're like, oh man, I never pray like that. But to look at that and conclude that Paul never prayed about smaller things, and what they call that, that's an argument from silence, and that's not really a great argument. And all this is to say that our typical, maybe more mundane, regular, uh, perhaps not terribly deep prayer requests are not wrong to pray about. And as a child of God, you and I, we can pray about whatever is on our hearts. God says that we can do that. And he's there for us. And he understands our needs and our concerns and our worries. And, and, and so we can pray for God to be with so-and-so. We can pray for our kids' safety and for our finances and people's health issues. I'm certainly going to be praying uh, for Wednesday when I have my next MRI that it's another clear one. And I'm going to ask others uh, to be praying for that. I feel like if you lost your keys or you lost your wallet, you can pray to God about that too. He cares about even the hairs on our head, and that means he cares about the smallest details of all our lives, and we can go to him with those types of prayer requests. But here's the point this morning. Can we go deeper? I think maybe we can, and I want us to... In Courage uh, to be encouraged to uh, consider in our desires that we express in prayer, not always to just stay in, uh, in the shallow end of the pool, but get in the deep end too, all right? Given these two prayers of Paul that we read, uh, but also they're there in the Bible, they're examples then for us and for the whole church in prayer, um, I think we can go deeper than we typically do. Um, if you think about your recent prayers and typical prayers and look at what Paul read, I mean, Paul's are, are deep, amazing, right? Um, but what I want to get to is what makes these desires expressed from Paul's heart to God and to the churches deeper what is it about them that's deeper than our typical prayers? We could also add, if you want to check them out sometime, to these prayers, uh, uh, prayers of Nehemiah, prayers of Daniel, and, and prayers of Jesus. If you look at Nehemiah 1, 
Daniel 9 and Jesus in John 17. You'll, you'll see that. And what I think the difference in all these prayers, the key is that Paul, Daniel, Nehemiah, Jesus have a kingdom perspective. And that's what will help us go deeper than just only praying about our more immediate circumstances. We're time-bound, we're fallen people, and we have a tendency, right, not to look much beyond the end of our noses. But a kingdom perspective will make the difference, I believe, in terms of what we're asking our Father for. We need a kingdom depth. And so what might that greater kingdom death depth look like? What might that look like? I, I just want to suggest a few things uh, to get a kingdom depth in terms of our desires and our prayer requests. What, what would it look like if we dipped our toes more often into the deeper end of the pool in terms of prayer? Well, for our personal prayer time, we might pray more about our spiritual well-being, right, in addition to our physical well-being. So let's pray sincerely and often that the Holy Spirit would root out sin in our life. And let's dive deep into that request that, that he would not just generally cleanse us of sin, but specifically, thoroughly, that he'd cleanse you every closet of your soul, every dark and dusty corner. Matthew 12, 43, 44, 45, Jesus describes our souls, our lives really, like a house. He talks about an evil spirit being cast out of someone, but then because nothing has filled that house, it's empty, seven more spirits come in to take the place of, of the one. And, and uh, what, so when, when Christ knocks on the door of our hearts, right, and, and asks to come in, he's not doing that to rent a room temporarily, uh, but he wants the whole house, the whole estate. He's bought us body and soul, and he owns the whole house every nook and cranny, our entire being. And so we pray with the depth that the Spirit would cleanse every corner of our hearts and souls and minds, and then also that he'd come in and fill every dark closet. He'd inhabit the living room, the dining room, the bedroom, the bathrooms, and even the attic and the basement in a cellar, if you got one, with Jesus and his grace and his love the whole house, every little piece of our hearts, of our souls, of our minds, of our being, would be filled. Uh, that we'd know Jesus more, the depth of our need for him more, uh, the good news of the Father's love even more, and that we'd even more live out of all of those realities. And, and for me to pray, uh, God be with my daughters, might be uh, to ask that God would, in addition to that being with, plant in them seeds of his word and this kingdom. And, and beyond praying for just safety and, and good grades for them, Father, may your gospel take root and may it blossom in their hearts. 
Oh God, draw them nearer to you, my blessed Lord. Keep them close to you. Keep them on the heavenly path. No matter what their circumstances are, if, if, uh, keep them mindful that they're citizens of your kingdom above all else. And would you somehow use them for your kingdom in whatever it is they do, whatever circumstances they happen to be in. And, and to go deeper when praying for loved ones and, and the church family members, when you know we have these prayers where we ask for relief from suffering, for a successful surgery, uh, we pray for healing from cancer, yes, and add, oh God, and use whatever circumstances they or we are in even times of hardship for your glory, to bring in your kingdom. And, and so all of your children, me included, God, would be a witness to your coming and growing kingdom and help others see Jesus. And it seems to me that those, some of those sort of requests would help us swim more in the deep end of the pool. Does that make sense? And whether it's prayers about about your work, your marriage, concerns about uh, what a child or grandchild is into and, and how they're behaving or its health issues, we need God's help with all these things. And more than any change of circumstances, we and our loved ones need Jesus. And we need to know him. And we need to know the good news of his salvation and his healing and forgiveness for sinners like all of us. And, and we ask that he would help us and them submit to his rule and his reign in every single area of our lives. And beyond our own personal spiritual needs, right? There's the church right here at Faith. Uh, there's a nation and there's a, a world and there's a worldwide church that needs us to lift them up before our Heavenly Father, making requests of all sorts, but especially making requests with God's kingdom and God's gospel and God's will first. And, and so I, I want to encourage you in your prayers uh, to not miss the main focus of Paul's prayers uh, that are there in God's word for us. Like Alistair Begg says in the book that many of you got, Pray Big, we may bring everything that matters to us before the Father as his dear children, but let's focus on bringing before him those things that matter most. And so let's take a dip in the deep end of the pool in terms of what we desire and what we're asking God for uh, perhaps far more than we typically do. As Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first the Father's kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. In other words, all the other things. In other words, all the everyday desires we have and pray to him about will be taken care of as well. Uh, when we make sure to pray for the big stuff, the deep stuff, Paul's stuff that we read, all the rest is going to fall into place by God's grace. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your word, and, and we pray that it would, even as it's been uh, proclaimed today, that it would 
by your help and by your spirit, take root deep in our hearts. Give us open hearts and soft hearts, O God, not resistant to you and to your word and to your grace. I pray your grace and blessing on our congregation and on each one here as we seek to grow deeper and wider in prayer. Lead us in your name. Amen.